Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today I wanted to talk about an experience uh, that I had this last weekend that I think uh, taught me some interesting lessons as well as just was kind of a fun, silly experience. And at at a high level, I think I'm going to talk, it's talking about um, the usefulness of having kind of messy development experiences. And for me, this got started um, when I was, so my son, um, who's nine, I've been kind of working through exposing him to programming. Like it's always a bit perilous when you're trying like push your chosen career onto your children, but he, he likes it, enjoys it. And he says, if you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up, he wants to be an Apple developer. So like he, it, it's, you know, he, he has interest as well as, as my interest, but we've been doing a lot of work in Swift Playgrounds. And, you know, the great content that Apple put out there, and it's a lot of fun, and he's been kind of working on it. But I I kind of had this realization that in my experience learning to program, a lot of my, like, my formative time learning to code wasn't, wasn't in a classroom, wasn't in a clean, kind of, like, straightforward, sanitized environment. It was very messy for lack of a better word like there was a lot of just kind of like duct tape and open like you know it was my first programming was in q basic and it's like i just remember just like you just try stuff and it doesn't work <laughs> and you don't know why and then you just try more stuff and there's that kind of learning to push through when things don't work and there's a messiness about that that i think can lead to both an important set of skills that are important to develop as a programmer and or, or is also just like, I don't know, it's, like, it's not like I want to like make sure that he has the same experience that I had, but I think it was an, it's an important part. It's like it gives you the full picture of what programming is like because programming is usually not like using the great content in Swift Playgrounds where it's like it's very clean and precise and, you know, if you have a syntax error, it sort of points it right out to you and it's very sort of clean. It's sort of like when you're going bowling and you put the, they put the, the bumpers down on the side of the the lane and like you you really can't go wrong too badly um and so i wanted to kind of give him that experience and i was trying to think about a way to do that that would be appropriate for his level and where he is and also just be kind of fun and so this last weekend we worked on a little project together and this project was coming out of something that he'd been saying um we're getting around christmas and he was talking about what he wants and some the thing that he wanted most was a time zone clock which if that's just some, my son loves time zones and apparently he wants to become a programmer. I've yet to break the news to him that that's <laughs> he's, he's in for a tough time <laughs> or his love of time zones made, may diminish as his interest in programming um, increases, but that's what he wanted. Well, at least, you know, he has a sure job at Apple. Yeah. It's like it's time, time zones are a rough thing, but I didn't want to break, you know, so sort of uh, limit that too much. So I see he, but he wanted a clock that you could push a button and it would show you a different, you know, show you times around the world, basically. And he, and so at first we're like, you know, going to Amazon or whatever. And like, is, is this a thing that exists? Like, can you buy a time zone clock? And you really can't like that. It just don't exist as best as we can tell. And maybe they do it in some, you know, like at, at some degree, but the, the closest we could get is like those crazy clocks that you see in like the back of newsrooms or like situation rooms where you have like 12, um, like 12 analog clocks in a row, each showing a different time. But those like, are that's awesome. Not really- yeah, which is great, but it's, it's not really what he wants. But what you want is called a world timer, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, so anyway, we thought, <laughs> I thought this would be a fun project. Like, well, why don't we make one? 
Um, and at first I was like going down the road of like, I wonder like how, if we made it like with like Arduino and like really low level stuff. And I very quickly realized like, this is, this is, this isn't, this is, this is like, like I like ejected out of that, that idea. Cause that got very low level <laughs> to like trying to like, you know, solve solar things together. And like, it was, it was no good. And I was like, well, what about something like a Raspberry Pi? Um, something that like is a small, simple, you know, low power computer that I could like put a little display on and, um, ended up digging around for a while. Like that Raspberry Pi world is both awesome and terrifying in that there is like infinite diversity and things for how you hook things together and like options for ways you can do. But eventually I found something that I could get a little Raspberry Pi zero that came with a little OLED screen and on the OLED screen, there's like a, a, on one side, there's a directional sort of joystick and two buttons on the other side. So this was perfect. It was like a little project that we could do to make his time zone clock. And it was it, like, I'll talk about a little bit more of the experience in a minute, but I think it was like, I can say having now done this with him, like we built this, this awesome clock is it was what I was hoping for. It was messy. It was really problematic in a lot of ways. And I think it was helpful for me to be able to go through the experience with him that I didn't like just like let him loose and be like, you know, just like try all this crazy stuff until it works. But I was able to be able to work through it in a fun way. And I think that's an important lesson that like there's sometimes a lot of what we do is not clean, is not sanitized, is not something that like what makes you a good developer is sometimes how you can how well you can program when the bumpers are up. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of fun when I'm forced to program without those bumpers. And I know not everybody finds that fun, <laughs> but but for me, like I, I consider that kind of thing like a, a fun challenge, an intellectual challenge. Raspberry Pi for me was like I, I did a I did a few small household projects with with Raspberry Pis uh, last year or earlier this year, I forget when. And I, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it because you know I already knew how to do basic Linux system administration, and a Raspberry Pi is just a tiny, like $30 Linux computer that runs in your house and you can put whatever you want on it. And it's kind of amazing like the, that the computer, you know, quote, the like the entire computer costs almost nothing relative, you know, to, you know, Western prices of anything like like I've I've bought vitamins that cost more than my Raspberry Pi. <laughs> so like to to have something like that, that is like. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to use. It's a little bit lower level. I did actually do some soldering to to like wire up some LEDs to something. You're braver uh, than I was. I I, I did get all the the pre made stuff that I could get. Oh, I did too. Like, but but there was a, there was like one thing. Oh, it was an RFID board that I wanted to like. I wanted to attach an RFID board to to this thing, and like the only ones I could find that work with the RFID tags that I got were was like I needed to solder like six wires, and I did, and I broke a Raspberry Pi doing it. Nice. And so I bought another one for another like twenty five, thirty dollars, whatever it was, and and the second one I did correctly, so that that was okay. And because I'm not good at soldering, it turns out, uh, but it was fine. Like and and it's it was kind of fun. First of all, it was kind of fun to fail and to fail so embarrassingly. Like oh well, I scorched this trace off the board, and now it doesn't work anymore. So <laughs> there's a problem. Nice. <laughs> um, it was also nice that I you know I, I hadn't killed like a thousand dollar computer uh, or yeah. like you know a, a seven hundred dollar ipad or anything like that and uh and yeah and it was it, it's nice because you know like as you mentioned like we we so often have all these modern tools and and luxuries and it makes it uh very easy on us in certain ways and not to say the pro- programming has gotten 
easy, but in certain ways it has become easier, or certain classes of mistakes are pretty much impossible to make anymore. Uh, now we can make new new kinds of mistakes. But anyway, um, but it's kind of like like when you when you like work out a muscle in your body accidentally that you have never really used before or that you haven't used in a long time, you mm-hmm. know, and and like you get really sore in some like you know embarrassing way, like oh I was playing Wii tennis and I got sore <laughs> yeah. because I swung my arm in just this right way that I haven't swung my arm in five years or whatever, and and you get sore from like playing a video game it's it's kind of like that where like we have all these like atrophied programming muscles from types of mistakes types of programming types of difficulties that we don't really have to deal with most of the time anymore and so to be thrown back into that and to exercise those atrophied muscles does feel good on some level and and it is something that probably for like the overall health of your programming mind you probably should be be forced to deal with some of these things every once in a while and i think it isn't that like this experience is like it isn't the difficulty of it or like the messiness of it that it makes that, that is like intrinsically valuable that it isn't like we want to always be working in messy things I, I i think there is but i think the way you described it there is that like there's elements of being a well-rounded developer that are enhanced by doing this kind of like more kind of in the weeds, messy, like things don't quite work together. Like you kind of are like patching things together and like hoping this works. Oh, this doesn't work. And that like, like that, that it, I think in many ways it is, it's forcing you to be creative in a technical way that is a, just use a useful thing, the useful muscle to, to, to develop that doesn't always get developed otherwise. I mean, so like some examples, like some of the really funny things that we had to deal with, like I wrote a list of these as we went because it's just, I mean, I mean, I had, I had a blast doing it, but it was just kind of funny. Like the first one was, so the Raspberry Pi, in order its display is uh, via HDMI. And so at first when I bought it, um, I figured I can plug it into a TV and like we can just use that and like that, that'll be fine. But then I remembered that in my, in my garage, in the, I haven't quite like, I have a whole bunch, I have like a box of technology that I've said I'm going to like take for recycling, but I have a hard time recycling old technology because I liked, like there's in the back of my mind, well, one day I might need it. One day I might use it. And I remember that in this bag of things, and I'm trying really hard to not internalize that this was actually successful. Um, <laughs> I went out to the, went out to the garage and I found a really old monitor that I had that I thought might have an HDMI in. And I found the, I dig out, you know, to take this monitor out of the box, I go and put it on my desk and then I remember why I stopped using this monitor. And that's because the controls, uh, like the buttons on the front that turn it on, um, that like part of the monitor had just physically broken. Like it had just kind of like, sna- you know, like the, 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 button, the button connector had broken. And so you couldn't turn the monitor on. But I'm, I'm, I'm in this mode where I'm like, <laughs> you know, like rolling up my sleeves. So I like I pull open the thing and there's uh, there's just like this collection of wires and there's six little control wires that presumably like went into some kind of board um, that are now just hanging free and so the first thing i did is like well okay so let's see if i can turn this on and so i just sat there sequentially like shorting the wires against each other um, <laughs> and like i have no idea which like combination and i gave up at first i was trying to be systematic about it then eventually i just kind of like took all the wires and just like smushed them together randomly for um, two or three minutes and eventually the monitor turned on like i got the right combination of wires that <laughs> like i should you know like this one was the power button like these two wires you know touching each other so first thing like fifth i felt really like this is great this is messy i'm in the weeds like shorting manually shorting out wires to turn on my monitor um then the next thing was trying to get the keyboard and mouse to work um on the raspberry pi which 
for some, maybe it's just like the stuff I had or the setup I had, but it was incredibly challenging to, to do. So I, as best I could tell, it's like the way you do this is you have, you need to have a, a powered uh, USB hub that you plug into the Raspberry Pi because it can't power the, the Nasser keyboard itself. Like, okay, that's fine. So I, get, I, get, <laughs> I take out my, my, I have like three of those in the closet because I can never get rid of technology. Um, I try, try the first one. Neither mouse or keyboard won't work at all. Try another one, doesn't work. Try a third one, and finally I was able to get the keyboard to work. Um, but the mouse still wouldn't be recognized, but I could get a keyboard to work. So like, okay, great. I'm in, like, a, this, this is a massive improvement. This is Linux. You don't really need a mouse in Linux, but you sort of do. But um, I got to that there. Unfortunately, I then discovered that the keyboard was in the wrong uh, layout or, like, localization which was awkward because two, there were two characters that I could not type. Um, and that is the pipe and the quote characters, hmm. which in Linux, the pipe character is something you actually use quite a lot. Um, and specifically, I was, when I was trying to debug all of the keyboard stuff and the mouse stuff to work out what was going on, it's like I was doing a lot of, you know, like dumping the log file. And usually I would like to pipe that to grep, but... I couldn't because there was no pipe on my keyboard. Even if I pushed, if I pushed the pipe key, it's like I got, you know, an ampersand or something. And it was just maddening. Eventually I was able to like with key, work out how to go into the menu system and re remap that to be correct. Um, and eventually then I was able to use just the keyboard to turn on VNC. And then from VNC, you know, once I got VNC turned on, I could work out how to get VNC connecting after I manually assigned an IP address to my computer, the Raspberry Pi, and then I was off to the races, and now I have a fully functional computer that I can just, you know, VNC in from uh, my Big Mac. But I, I just love that experience. Like, it, it's so weird that it was so frustrating in a lot of ways, but it was, like, frustrating in a way that felt like I was, like, an explorer. I don't know. It's a, bit, it's a weird thing to say, it, but it's like I felt like I was, have, like, really having to solve these problems that I know are solvable that are totally out of something that I normally do. And it's not like I'm solving, like, fitness syncing problems or you know, the usual stuff that I have to deal with. Um, it's, these are just kind of like random, silly technical problems. And I was able to, you know, sort of show my son kind of that this is what, you know, being a programmer is sometimes like that things just like don't quite work and you just kind of keep trying things until they work. And, um, but it was just kind of a fun experience as a result. We are brought to you this week by Squarespace. Make your next move with a beautiful website from Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Whether you want to create an online store or portfolio, a blog, or a podcast, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do any of that. And there's nothing to install, no patches or upgrades to worry about, because Squarespace has all that covered for you. If you need any help, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. And while you're building your site, you can quickly and easily grab a unique domain name as well. They have easy-to-use, easy-to-modify templates. These are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas, and you can very easily customize them to whatever you want as well. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, and you can start a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash radar. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code RADAR to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Under the Radar. So once again, that is squarespace.com slash radar and code RADAR to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. 
See, I think a lot of the value in doing these kinds of, you know, like different projects or like removing some of the safeties and everything is that you end up not only exercising muscles that you haven't exercised in a while, but also you you do along the way just pick up skills or or you pick up new abilities or, or you pick up familiarity with new tools. And you never know when that can come in handy. Like like when I was doing my uh, my Raspberry Pi experimentation, in order to interact with this RFID board, I had to use a C library that, like, you know, was its driver, basically. And uh, I think there was a Python option, too. And, like, and I didn't know any Pythons, but I could have I used that to learn Python. I didn't. I instead used the C interface, and I used it to learn this crazy C driver for this type of hardware I'd never used before. And now, if I ever need to do some project that involves reading RFID tags, I have that skill. And that may seem right now like that's probably not going to happen when developing a podcast player. But like you never know what what opportunities or what challenges or what needs will present themselves down the road. You know, like in your case, you know, you just learned a whole lot about configuring the physical side of Linux server that you didn't do before. And at some point, maybe you need that. At some point, maybe economics of server hosting change and you want to co-locate something. And you need to deal with some kind of physical thing when you're setting it up. And you can now do that. You know, you never know. And even if even if these kind of like low level, specific, like relatable transfers of skills don't happen, by you doing all that, you've gotten better at Linux. By me doing my RFID thing, I got better at C. And, you know, so even at a bigger level, these skills are useful. You know, you are building up skills and experiences that you might not think you need right now but at some point in the future that may come up and you'll be happy that you have the skill yeah i mean i think there is so true that there are countless times when i've learned something that eventually that later on becomes useful in the future and i think the biggest way that it often becomes useful isn't sort of what you're saying is like it isn't necessarily that 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 specific thing is going to be um, you know, come up in your life that like in your development of Overcast, you're going to need to use C, a, C, you know, a C library to recognize RFID tags. Like that very specific narrow thing is something that maybe doesn't you know c- come up into your future. But I feel like what often happens is the exposure to this type of thing means that there, at some point in the future, there's a new class of solution to the problem that I'm trying to solve that I consider as a result, because until you have experienced or exposed yourself to something, it is like, you know, it, it is totally just like black to you. You have no sense of definition of what that like, what's the complexity of that, have no sense of like how you would even get started, you know, and so often the difficulty in a project is knowing where to start. And I feel like these experiences are these things that then like these, it's just all of a sudden now you have a new door that you can walk through for a particular problem, and it's like it's may, it may not be the exact same thing, but you consider a solution that you just wouldn't consider previously, um, you know. And it's a skill that you just kind of have in the back of your mind that isn't. It's like if anything, it's just making you less scared to try new things. That like for me, I ended up going down the Python route um, for I had the same kind of thing where like I needed to do some, you know, some programming for this uh, display board and. It's like I took I I'd never used Python before. Like I heard a lot about it. I mean, and for a while, like I was a like I'm a before I was a Apple developer. I did a lot of Ruby development, and like for a while, that was kind of like Ruby and Python were these you know like the two 
heads of the like the scripting language race or whatever like they were the two big ones and i'd never touched python all i knew in my mind is that indentation mattered like that was all i had for how python worked but now like i've written some python like not a lot but i wrote some and it's not you know it's not completely opaque to me of like what that's like what the experience is like how hard it is to deal with indentation being important and like it's it's a weird thing that now if i hit a situation where I run into something and one of the options is, you know, it's like, oh, here's this thing in Python. Like I have a sense of how that works. I have a sense of what that might be. And I think most importantly, I'm, I'd be open to a new class of solutions to a problem that previously I might be closed to. Yeah. And I like how you said a minute ago that like, it, it, you, like you didn't really know where to start with some of these things. Like to me, so, and I don't, I don't know how common this is, but I, I, I would imagine it's, you know, at least it's probably at least not just me <laughs> to me. Like it's, when I when I'm totally unfamiliar with something, I always overestimate how difficult it would be to use, or overestimate how difficult it would be to get started, right? And so, like, when I had never used a Raspberry Pi before, I like there were a few things that I'm like, oh, I like I would like solution X, Y, or Z. Like, uh, like one of the examples is I had some like smart outlet plug things that were not HomeKit compatible, but there's this project called Homebridge. That allows you. It, it runs on Linux, I think, and it allows you to uh, to basically, you know, make a bridge between other types of home automation devices and HomeKit when those devices aren't themselves compatible, and it lets you do all sorts of other stuff as well. And I had heard about this from our friend Federico Fatici and a few others, and I just, I'm, but and it's like, oh, you have to run it on a Raspberry Pi. I'm like, well, I don't know how to use a Raspberry Pi. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to learn all that now. That sounds like it's really complicated. And it turns out I got a Raspberry Pi and it's super not complicated. Like it's, it's incredibly, it's way easier than I thought it would be. It was delightful to go through it. I loved the feeling of, you know, learning it all and just delighting in how much capability was available for how little money and how like do it yourself at all was. It was just delightful. And I was so afraid to do it. I was, I, w- I had built it up in my mind of like, oh, here's this whole class of things that seems really difficult or that, that, that is not a skill that I want to build or that I'm able to build right now or that I have the time to build. And that was all bogus. It, it's, it's totally fine. It's totally accessible. And that applies to lots of things that I learn. You know, like maybe I should have learned the Python interface to my RFID board. <laughs> I think that's probably, that's probably what I should have done. Um, you know, and like so, cause so many things, like you, you're presented with this, this wall of, well, here's the thing you don't know turn around now, you know, (laughs) but in reality, like if you just plow through that wall because you are motivated to, or you have to, for some reason, uh, you usually find like, Hey, it's actually not that bad. Like I actually, I I just learned this thing and it was not nearly as hard as I thought it would be. And now I have this new tool. Yeah. And I think what you said there is the thing that's interesting is how it feels like it, it, like everything seems, everything like seems impossible until you've done it. Like there's that sense that like the the hardest time you'll ever do something is like the first time you do it where cause you just didn't know how to do it. And now you do. Um, and so you have this massive like, you know, step jump from knowing nothing to knowing something like the process of learning from there where you get better and proficient and ultimately master a skill. You know, that takes a long period of time. Um, you know, with a lot of dedicated practice or experience, but going from nothing to something is like this is the scariest part of that 
uh, learning curve, but is often like it's, it's you it's it's very disproportionate into how it feels like it is versus what it is. And I think something that I've learned, or at least like rem- remember remind myself from this experience, is that the best way to learn up learn these skills or to pick things up and kind of the benefit of these putting yourself into kind of more messy development environments is that you if you have some kind of project that you're trying to do it forces you to learn things that otherwise you just won't that you, otherwise you will just fall you know you you would either you would that would be it would, it's like cuz just naturally we you like forcing yourself to learn something new is something that i think especially as i become older i find much harder um to want to do that, that i feel like there's that sense that um i don't like feeling like a novice but when i accept that i am a novice and i push through like those those feelings and instead like drive through it. I actually enjoy the, like the process of being a novice of like picking us, picking up a skill, starting with something I don't know how to do and doing it. Um, but I think it's important, at least I found for me, it's something that I need to have something specific that I'm trying to do that if I just like one day decided, Hey, I'm going to learn Python. Like I might write that down on my to-do list, like, Hey, become familiar with a new language or something, but I'm never going to do it. Like, I'm never going to just like go and get, you know, 21 days to becoming a Python developer out of the library and read it. Like it is never going to happen. I have to have something specific, um, that I'm trying to accomplish that I think is interesting and in its own right. And that this skill or this ability is like collateral damage along the way, almost that, I have to do it just because if I don't, I can't accomplish something else that I actually want. And it's like I'm trick. It's almost like I'm tricking my brain into learning something by making it think that it's not actually learning. That what it's actually doing is like doing this fun project with your son. Uh, but what you're really doing is you know learning a new programming language and platform. Yeah, I feel like like you know learn Python is not an actionable item. Like there's no like what's the first step of that? Like get a book and then what? Like read it like the, you don't learn programming by reading you learn programming yeah. by programming you know like so you know anything that forces you into the action that forces you to just do something to just plow through i find very satisfying and and way more effective at actually teaching me something new as opposed to like read this thing and then what like then unspecified right like and then you know that's that doesn't lead anywhere really that doesn't stick whereas if you are forced to do something you are building a skill right there and and you and like you aren't even realizing it necessarily like you aren't realizing quite how much of the new of the new thing whether it's python or linux administration or using raspberry pi like you don't quite realize how much you're learning when you're doing it you think you're just plowing through and doing the bare minimum but then like next time you have to do something you realize oh this is all incredibly familiar to me now like now i can i can do this a lot more easily than i thought i could yeah and I think maybe to wrap this up, I will say something that has been an interesting like result of this experience, and not only this experience, but something that I've been working thinking about for a while, um, is that I went out and on Black Friday, I bought a Pixel 3, and I'm diving back into getting myself familiar with modern Android development, um, which I've got to say feels a little messy. feels like I have the bumpers way up and <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but maybe I'm slightly less scared of it as a result of the, um, the earlier experience with the Raspberry Pi. Um, and I think there'll be many topics to get into on the show about it. But I think it was an interesting experience where it's like, I'm like, yeah, this feels familiar. This is just kind of like what I just practiced 
over the weekend as I'm like downloading Android Studio and like I don't know how anything works and things aren't working right and I'm learning two new well, well I'm learning uh, Kotlin I don't know how to say it there's a new like this Swift equivalent yeah. for Android I also don't know how to um, say it but yeah it's, it's probably like right. Kotlin Kotlin um, I'm learning that um, I'm relearning Java which is a language I knew very well at one point but that was a very long time ago um, and just seeing how things have changed and like learning how to do things and it's it's fun. It's interesting. And I don't know exactly where this is going to go, if I'm where I'm going to end up, but it's something that I'm glad that I'm doing. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reminded that even if I never ended up shipping something, um, on Android, I'm developing a set of skills that I wouldn't have otherwise. And that'll make me better as an iOS developer. That'll make me better as a person that like, that'll just is better in general. Well, we can at least get a couple episodes of the podcast out of it. Yeah, I'm sure we will. There's, there's a whole, it's like, it's a whole wide world that was just hiding behind a door that like, it's not like, like it's, it's in the weird, the weird way is sometimes, you know, I did Android development many years ago and in, in a weird way, like sometimes in your mind, you kind of imagine that if you, when you turn away from something, it stays exactly as it was forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, nope, it's actually, it's like, it's been cruising along, changing and developing. It has all kinds of things that have come out of that, um, that I think was, is interesting for me and hopefully, um, yeah, we'll make some interesting topics uh, down the road. Keep me posted so I don't have to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll let you know. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.